Hi, and welcome to season two of the Academy Tech Talk. We have Gabe here. And I'm Atlas. Thank you for coming to our Tech Talk. Today we are introducing Justine Pusella Winans. They are a queer non-binary writer who lives in Los Angeles with their husband and cats. They've released two books, Bianca Torres is Afraid of Everything and The Other Woods in the past year, which is already amazing. And they have some really quirky hobbies, which we will be going into, so stay tuned. Welcome to the show. Um, Let's start off with asking a little bit about Justine. So tell us about yourself and your experience as being an author. Yeah, so hi, I'm Justine Pichello-Winans. I am currently an author of middle grade and young adult. So my young adult debut, Bianca Torre is Afraid of Everything, is a comedic murder mystery that came out earlier this year in April. While my middle grade debut, The Otherwoods, is a spooky queer portal fantasy that just released this past Tuesday, September 12th. And that's pretty much everything. I think a lot of my stories as a writer tend to walk the line between creepy and fun. And definitely all of my stories are queer in some way. (laughs) Going off that point, actually, um, how much did you incorporate from like your real life? We know that you go by they, she pronouns and that two of the main characters in the other woods, as well as Bianca from Bianca Torres, both go by they, them pronouns. So how did you incorporate things that happen in your real life to go into your characters? I think I definitely pull a lot of my own experience, especially when it comes to identity backgrounds for the character, especially in Bianca Torre. Bianca is figuring out their own gender identity throughout the book. So initially they identify just as a lesbian girl and not non-binary, but throughout the story, they realize this aspect of their identity. So definitely a lot of that was pulled from my own experience of just sort of having that gender questioning and going through that journey. Thankfully, I was not investigating a murder at the time, (laughs) but just having sort of the personal internal dilemma stuff was inspired by a lot of what I went through just because it, it felt like that was the most authentic way to do it. When it came to River in the Other Woods, which I actually wrote after Bianca Torre, so like the order of me writing them is the order of how they came out. River starts the book already knowing their identity, already being out as non-binary. So I think that also kind of related to where I was at a little bit in my life because that was after I had come out. I feel like a lot of us come out in stages and not necessarily just like one like, hey, everyone in the world, I'm gay. (laughs) But I definitely was further along on my journey at that point. So I think that did sort of mirror my own experience as well. River does just use they, them pronouns. I'm open to like she, her, they, them. So there were definitely some differences. But I do think that while I don't consider myself to be exactly the same or super similar to my characters, I did definitely pull aspects of my experience with my identity and queerness to use for the characters in both books. So as you just said, you put out two books this year, which is crazy in the span of two years, or in one year and already put out two books. That's incredible. But what effect has this had on your life and at home and like just out in the public? Now you're a published author twice in one year. They've done extremely well. I was literally looking on Goodreads this morning at reviews and I couldn't find a person that didn't love what you wrote. So how has this affected your life? I can't even write an English essay in no. under like <laughs> a month. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. Second, I will say, I feel like a lot of people assume that when you're a writer, you love all types of writing. But when I was in high school, I absolutely hated essay writing and I would want to work on books instead. Yeah. I advise spending a lot of times on your essays. <laughs> but I relate to that. I'm not super great at like short essays, nonfiction writing. It has been a very interesting experience to have two releases in one year, especially because writing is not my full-time job. I have a day job as well. So it's been interesting to find that balance of just being able to make everything work when it comes to not only just having the time to actually like sit down and write or revise, because with the way traditional publishing works, you're oftentimes working on your next project. So I'm still revising or working on my books that will release next year as, as <laughs> I'm working on marketing publicity things for the books that release this year. So there is definitely a lot of looking towards the future and kind of already working on things that will come out in a year, like two years down the line. So it is definitely a lot of balancing. And that's been something that I kind of had to work out. I also try not to work on writing stuff when I can avoid it on like the weekends or at least take one day for myself to read web comics or just like go out and see the sun, you know, whatever it is just to sort of not burn out too quickly. I'd say kind of the good thing about being a writer is unless you're like a huge success, your daily life isn't really impacted. Like people aren't going to recognize me, you know? <laughs> even if even if my books were doing better. So that's like kind of nice because if you go to a specific I went to like bookseller conferences or something and or when you have book events of course people are happy to see you but it's it's not like I mean it'd be really cool if someone happened to like recognize you from reading the book but I also feel like even when I was reading as a teenager like, you don't always really care about who the author is about, like, the book itself so I think that there's definitely that balance of finding a way to stay on top of everything. But I don't think other than the time constraints and working that out, my life has been impacted too much. But I will say that it does definitely... I say sold these books like two years ago. So it was in 2021. So I've been working on it for a while. But it does definitely hit you when you can actually sign copies or go to events. And I feel like okay, I've been elevated to real author status <laughs> instead of just yeah. having a manuscript on my computer nobody knows about. I feel like that's like so similar to like the actor's process. You finally get like your big break in New York City and you're working for six months and then all of a sudden, wait, you're out of a job now. And again, nobody knows who you are and you're trying to wait tables. And it's the same forever loop of trying to stay relevant and produce stuff, but like stay on top of it and also like manage your life. Yeah, definitely. I think there is that sort of freelance artist aspect <laughs> where you're you're not necessarily in the clear at any stage because after book releases, it's kind of easy for people to think, oh, so you're like set, you're a writer now, that's what you do. But, you know, it is a matter of like, just like actors, like you have to land the next job, you have to keep auditioning. And it's, it's a very similar process where you have to keep writing, you have to try to sell the next project and there's not necessarily a guarantee there's definitely going to be a lot of rejection <laughs> that you have to prepare yourself for. But I think it is those interactions with both art itself and other people that really care about the art and the work you're doing that make it worth all of the rejections and potential like 
hit to your mental health that it could take at times. And the only people who might know you are just young queer kids that <laughs> you were to <in> Starbucks. <laughs> Honestly, that's like the opinions that mean the most to me are from young queer kids. That's Everyone fair. else, if they hate my stuff, I'm like, I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> For you, it's fine. So from when you went to Academy, which we are yes. in currently, how did you transition from Academy, which is mostly centered around theater and tech, how did you turn that into writing novels or were you always a writer and you were also a huge theater kid? <laughs> yeah, no, I was definitely both. I was writing while I was in Academy. We actually did a staged reading of a play that I wrote while I was at Academy and that was one of the coolest experiences that I've had. And I think that kind of like talking about the similarities between the jobs sort of experience of a writer and an actor, I think that having a theater background really helped me with my writing as well, because it really is all storytelling. And that really did help me get a good sense of analyzing a character because when I was in plays and everything, like I was doing character work, jobs, sort of experience of a writer and an actor. I think that having a theater background really helped me with my writing as well, because and sort of what's stopping them from getting what they want and all of those elements that studying theater really helped a lot. And also this was not something that I really thought of in advance, but when you're doing book events, especially because so many writers are introverted at heart, like I am, <laughs> I think that my theater background kind of allows me to hide how introverted and awkward I am as a person because I may be awkward, but I can project. So people <laughs> assume that you're confident when you're able to do that. So I think building those communication skills really did start from my experience at the academy where I was able to as like a shy bookish kid who just also really liked acting, sort of like grow and build a little more confidence in myself, build those communication skills. And even though I'm not acting as of now, those really translate into what I am doing, especially when it comes to public speaking about the book or doing events and even just like the character study, scene study of like building, you know, the atmosphere and, and settings of the books, definitely helping out building sets and stuff like that helped me like really have the place in my mind. And even I had a job at an escape room where I was kind of like the game master and actor and stuff in there. And that a lot of my experiences at the Academy sort of translated to that as well. And I like directly took influence from the escape room I did in my books, The Other Woods, with building a setting of this new city with ghosts and spirits. And there's like a specific psychic shop that was based from that. So I think that all of the creative arts like really do work well together. And when you love storytelling, it's really easy to sort of transition between different avenues of storytelling if the passion is there and, you know, you want to keep putting in the work and learning how to do it. I think that they all really do help each other. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the great things about the Academy is, yes, like it's technically like Performing Arts Academy, but we really do everything and focus on so many aspects. At the end of our junior year, we had a workshop week and everyone took different avenues, like you said, and interest into different types of storytelling. And I think it was so cool to see everyone pursue a different passion in storytelling, kind of like how you're pursuing being an author. And I remember you saying earlier that you had a staged reading of one of your plays at the Academy, which sounds so awesome. Can you tell us more about that and like that experience? Yeah, I feel like even though it hasn't been that long, I'm already like, what What happened? What was the, what was the exact <laughs> process? 
But it was a really fun experience. I had written the play and just got the opportunity to put together this reading. So I had another student who was assistant director and we put on auditions for the different roles to cast. So kind of getting that experience as well to be on the other side of things, because up until that time, I had only acted in productions. I hadn't had the opportunity. So it was so cool that through Academy, I was able to get that opportunity to see the other side of things. And even just not only for playwrights, I think for novelists too, like there's something really powerful about hearing your words aloud. And I think it also makes it easier to catch the parts that maybe aren't working or that don't sound super realistic or like someone would actually say. So it was very cool to go through that process of rehearsals. And that process, I think, helped me refine my writing and the play as well, while also giving my fellow actors and Academy students the opportunity to do another character that they might not have done otherwise. So it was just a really cool experience. We did even have, like, I think, you know, kind of set the space a little bit. So it wasn't just like a seated stage reading. The Mm -hmm. actors were able to have the space to themselves and really play and explore. So just having that opportunity, I think, was probably one of my favorite moments from my time at the Academy, just because it really was all of the instructors giving me this opportunity to explore a different avenue that I was interested in that they didn't have to do. So it was really, really cool. I think we should bring that back. Oh, definitely. I think think we should so do that. Because we took a screenwriting thing last year when we were doing those classes during the end of junior year. We should totally have some people write some plays and then do auditions and stuff like that. That would be so cool. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen, just the two of us. (laughs) Well, even just having people read or act out your work, I do think really helps a lot because things can be really funny in your head. And then when someone (laughs) says them out loud, you really see if the jokes are landing or not. Even like sometimes when writing my book, like I'll to myself read certain parts aloud to make sure that they're sounding like something someone would say and also just not overly wordy or any like awkward moments. So I think that really does make a difference. I'm also a huge writer and I do the exact same Mm -hmm. thing. And I'm just like, no, that makes no sense on what that character would say in this situation. (laughs) Having an acting background and getting into different characters, I think can help when you're trying to do different character voices as well and making that all of your characters don't sound exactly the same or just have all of the motivation and personality traits that are exactly like you. So I think that that really helped me is like kind of get into the heads of different personalities is having that background of performing different types of characters. So this may sound super random, but when we were told, oh, we're going to interview someone this week and we started researching about you and like reading your bio and really looking into your books and your life, it said at the end of your bio that you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Is that true. I, I want to know more about that. Like I had second, a question about this The second too. I read that, I'm like, no way. I need to know more about that. <laughs> yeah. So I do. I'm not super good yet. There's different belt levels in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I'm a blue belt, which is the very first promotion you get as an adult. <laughs> so it's when you're maybe starting to get stuff, but not actually that great yet. But it is something that I just really fell in love with. I did have to take some time out for health reasons. So I've been doing it since 2019, when I graduated college, but I was kind of out during the pandemic when that started and health reasons. And now I got back into it 
And I just, I highly recommend for artists to sort of have another hobby that doesn't involve anyone else's kind of like opinion of you that's subjective. Because with like sports, in a sense, it's pretty objective like whether or not you're able to do a specific technique. And so I really love jujitsu because one, I was never super athletic, but it's a kind of sport where it's very much problem solving and it, it is very like technical and almost like a game of chess, like figuring out what the person is going to do next. And also, even if you are smaller, I'm, you probably can't tell, but I'm like very short. You <laughs> so can we, learn yeah. how, to, <laughs> but it's like you can learn how to use leverage and still have advantages over people that are bigger than you, especially if they're not as far along on their journey. So I really like having something that's unrelated to writing and sort of like the, typical creative side, even though there is a lot of creativity in jujitsu as well, but also has different goalposts to like strive for. Yeah, that's something that I just really fell in love with and putting it in my books when I can is just very fun. <laughs> you already got a promotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So not not a white belt still. <laughs> so in Bianca Torres is afraid of everything. They have a list of fears. Was that a random spur of the moment idea or was it a real life moment that you've had or a life connection that you've made? It isn't based off of me. While I have many fears and many of them are ridiculous, I don't keep track. I'm way too chaotic for that. But Bianca's anxiety and fears was always a big part of the book. And I think I just really enjoy lists. So I got the idea to just make a list and use it that way. It did sort of start out where I didn't have the full list from the beginning. Just as I was writing, as something came up, I would be like, oh, that's a fear. <laughs> you know, add it in. Sometimes I would even just give it like a random number. And then it was only during revisions, basically, that my copy editor, and they're the ones that do all the like continuity and grammar and stuff like that, was just having the hardest time <laughs> with like my list because I did none of the preparation for it. So at that point, I had to go back and I actually read through the book and made the list as the different fears came up. And then I did have extra spaces that didn't actually have a fear that was listed in the book. But I don't think this is a spoiler, but the full list of fears is not available until the end of the book. So that kind of gave me a fun opportunity to just write in whatever I wanted because it wasn't actually part of the plot. So there is like anime references and stuff that just didn't happen in the book. <laughs> but I was like, oh, here's like a fun Easter egg for the people that might happen to know what this is. Yeah. And that was actually like one of my favorite part of revisions, even though it only took like a day, but it was just a really fun thing to do. Yeah. I was looking through all the fears and I found it really interesting because a couple of years ago, I actually made a list of all the scientific names of a bunch of fears that I have. And then later when we were about to interview you, I was just, oh, this character is really similar to me with this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, as a person who literally has a list right now on their, like, a sticky note on my computer of, like, what I need to do tonight, I love lists. Like, that's how I live my life. So what is your favorite fear on that on the list that just beats everything else? 
So my favorite one is actually one of the ones I was mentioning that isn't a part of the book at all. But I don't remember the exact wording, but I know there's a game, Doki Doki Literature Club, and that's one of Bianca's fears. And it's a terrifying game. It's terrifying. Content warning for everyone. It deals with some really like difficult subjects and also is extremely like meta and breaks the fourth wall in a way I was not prepared for going in. So everyone who sort of just understands that fear, it's like a really funny thing of people bonding over how much that game terrified them. It's a um, but, <laughs> but in terms of ones that are actually in the book, um, one I would agree with is spiders. Absolutely. And there's a moment when Anderson, Bianca's friend, talks about his fears. And I think he also has ventriloquist dummies on the list, which is my like most irrational fear because if someone has one, I'm not going in the house. <laughs> I, just I feel like, like it's that. not that irrational. Like it's creepy. They're weird. <laughs> <laughs> they are creepy. And no like disrespect to people that enjoy them or do that. I think it's an incredible skill. I just would only witness it from a 10 foot distance or something with a screen in between. And I know like other people find them scary because there are horror movies that deal with clowns and ventriloquist dummies. So I'm like, I'm not alone mm -hmm. <laughs> in my fears. But including some of those was really fun as well. The more, even though I think they're fully understandable, silly fears. This question is kind of also not really related to anything, but just I was like talking to my friends. I'm like, like, what are good questions to ask? What's relevant right now? And I think like one thing everyone's been talking about right now is Olivia Rodrigo's new album, Guts. And you're also living in LA and that's where like all the buzz is around too, of course. So I wanted to know if you've listened to the album yet and if you have, if you have like a favorite song or like an opinion, because I'm just curious for myself. I still have to listen to the full album. I know I've been listening to like Vampire and like repeat. So yeah. I need to expand my horizons. <laughs> I know like when I was writing like, Olivia Rodrigo's first album, especially Brutal, which was kind of a publishing mood. Yeah. Like I know a lot of us writers were just all listening to that one. So I have to do my full guts listen still. But I will say Olivia Rodrigo, I feel like just puts you into like the YA book mindset. I completely <laughs> agree. Completely. <laughs> like, I feel like there's that YA feeling that almost transcends time where even like the kind of indie movies of like the YA stuff when I was a teenager and even the projects now, even people still like the perks of being a wallflower and stuff where it just has that like feeling. Such a good mm -hmm. feeling. And I think Olivia Rodrigo gets that entirely. It's like mm -hmm. the, the young adult like Feel. Is there like a reason why, I guess you kind of just explained, but like the reason like why you chose to go into YA and that feel like, does it have like a certain pull to you? Like you just really feel passionate about like that era? I think I love coming of age stories and especially with queer people. I think a lot of us don't necessarily get our coming of age as a teenager. And, you know, I hope things are, are changing for the better. But even as a teen, like I didn't necessarily have a lot of openly queer people that I knew and to like, or people like kind of knew, but like didn't always <laughs> talk about it or didn't like always have the right terminology. So it wasn't until I sort of like moved out and went to college and was on my own that I really got to explore those aspects and have that coming of age. And I feel like there are other people that don't have their coming of age until like they're 40 or something and they don't really, and they just never had the opportunity. And so I'm really drawn to those stories. And I think that you could have coming of age stories in middle grade, in YA, like in adult, 
And I kind of just like exploring those different moments in our lives because you're still going to remember when you were like 12 and have kind of that like 12 year old inside of you or that like 16 year old or then like you always kind of have those memories there as well. And I've been trying to write since I was a teenager. So kind of my first love was YA because I was writing like my first books at like 16. And thankfully nothing came of them because I'm pretty sure it was like terrible, like dystopian. (laughs) Exactly. Or it was like just characters trying to be gay and funny for like 80,000 words and no plot was happening. <laughs> so I I feel like I needed those those projects to get me to where I am. But that's sort of why like young adult fiction was my first love is when I started getting serious about my writing. I was a teenager and that's what I was reading. So I kind of just kept up with like that market. But I do, you know, right outside of that category now, but I still think I'm really just drawn to those like periods in your life when things just feel more like high stakes (laughs) and like everything is really big. And also having that opportunity to sort of first get to explore your identity without needing to rely on like your family or like your parents (laughs) or even like having that opportunity to kind of get your own agency for the first time in the sense of being on your own. And I think those are just like really exciting times to explore in stories. Are there any other minorities that you would like to write into your stories to show representation because you have POC characters and obviously queer characters? Are there any others that you want to learn more about to be able to try and represent them in your books? Or do you find that it's harder to... Yeah, I never want to, in a sense, go out of my lane and writing protagonists that don't have identities that I do. Um, When it comes to supporting characters, I feel like I'd like to write my life and experience where it's like my group of friends is very diverse and we all kind of have our own different like marginalizations. Something in my second YA book that I explore more is kind of invisible disabilities because my protagonist has irritable bowel syndrome (laughs) and like just dealing with IBS, which I also have (laughs) while solving a murder mystery is kind of like an added layer of she uses her sense of humor to sort of deal with it a lot. So there is kind of like jokes about it. But I feel like it's something that there is kind of like a stigma with certain invisible disabilities. And it's something that I want to be able to talk about because I don't think people should feel like they have to feel ashamed because their disability sends them to the bathroom, maybe a little bit more (laughs) than the average person. So that's something in my next book that was really cool to explore because I got to sort of put my own like sense of humor in dealing with sometimes difficult situations into the book. And I think that it's something that people don't necessarily see a lot, even though like a lot of people have invisible disabilities. A lot of people have IBS. I mean, we're all pretty much stressed now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I think like that was something that was really fun to explore. And I'd love to kind of continue with more like disabled rep in my books as well. Do you have any quotes from your book that you really enjoy? Just like one one off lines. I was looking at some when I was trying to learn more about you and it was really funny because one came up and it was, I think I took be gay to crime a bit too far. <laughs> and I was just reading a bunch of quotes and I loved them. I'm so glad. I think that I definitely 
found my writing funny. I think <laughs> other people do too. Definitely. But I will say like, maybe it's because I also read a ton, but it's really hard to sometimes remember even like what I wrote, mm-hmm. where I remember there was one thing like Epic Reads did where they put like, oh, quotes about identity in books. And like one quote came up and I was like, wow, that's a really good one. And then it was like, Justine Pachella Winans, Bianca Torres. <laughs> like, oh, I wrote that one. That's crazy. It's just, and especially because you're working on the book so far in advance from when it's published that when I finish, because for example, like for my book that's out next June, I pretty much finished the majority of the text in the book. We're just cleaning up sort of aspects now and doing smaller edits. So it's like, I might not read this because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be working on other things until like when release happens. Yeah. So it's easy to forget a lot. I remember, I think in Bianca, there was one quote that other people really liked too, or it's something like, I'm just an anxious cryptid in a femme bodysuit or something like that. <laughs> and people were like, that's great. And I, I was like, I do like that one as well. That's fun. And also I had all of my chapters have chapter titles. So I had a lot of fun with the chapter titles as well. And just getting to be like, really silly with all of those even in the other woods there are chapter titles as well and like i think my favorite in the other woods is there's one that has a cat pun with the cat whose name is mr fluffy pancakes and (laughs) that just was like the the best part i'm like even if i remember nothing else from the book the positively perfect Mr. Fluffy Pancakes will be my favorite chapter title. That's a lovely (laughs) name. He's definitely the fan favorite of the (laughs) book, aside from a bug monster named Charles that has like a nice redemption arc. I feel like the main character, people like, yeah, River's cool, but (laughs) the cat and the bug monster. And they're right. Like, those are kind of, they steal the spotlight. I know the main character, but have you heard of this insect Exactly. Do you have any advice for like young writers or people our age or even younger, like trying to get into this field? Kind of like you said, like you're just writing 80,000 words about nothing at this age and kind of just trying to figure out who you are as a writer. What's your best advice for someone who's trying to give this a go? (laughs) Yeah, I have a few pieces. My first piece of advice is to just keep writing. Sometimes it takes a really long time. For me, I tried to query my first book. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I tried (laughs) to at like 16. And I didn't actually sign with an agent and get a book published until I wrote Bianca, which was year or a few years later. So like it it doesn't always happen overnight. And as long as you keep at it and keep going and keep writing, it might take you like nine manuscripts if you're like me, or maybe you'll be lucky and it'll be the first one. But to just keep at it, keep going. Another thing is to find a good like group or other people that might be going through the same thing and have a safe place that you can vent to that's not publicly on social media to everyone. Um, Because I think writing can feel very solitary at times. And like I said, same with acting, like there is always rejection that's going to be involved. And it's so helpful to have other people, especially if you are marginalized, maybe people that share that identity. Like I have a little group of queer authors where we can go and just kind of like vent about any little problems we have or just go to to share good news and be there for each other. And I think having that community and that like support group really helps in the tough, you know, times, um, which every career in the arts is going to have some times that are harder than others. And just having people that get what you're going through can help a lot. And I think my last piece of advice is people always say read a lot. And I would agree, (laughs) you know, if you want to write, reading is great. 
but also take the inspiration where it finds you. If you aren't someone that likes to read super long books all the time, but you really like web comics or manga, or like you just love watching movies, a story is a story in the sense like they're all going to use very similar structures and there's going to be so much you can learn from all different types of mediums. So wherever you can find that inspiration, for me, I love web comics and manga and anime. Mostly now I read a lot of that. And not that I don't also read a ton of books and those help me as well, but I think however you find the inspiration, whatever like makes you really excited to tell stories and gets you into that mind space, that's the correct answer. So don't have people be like, oh, if you're not like reading books in your hand, you're wrong. Like, no, if you like audiobooks, if you just play video games and like look at the story through those games and use that to influence your writing, that's great. Whatever works for you is the right way to do it. As current students of Academy, we're seniors and so we're soon going to be going into the real world and trying to figure out what we want to do with our lives and trying to figure out right now. What any advice would you give to current students of Academy or students who want to go into Academy on what they should try and see and do with their lives? Well, I would definitely say enjoy the time you have at Academy. I feel even if you don't realize it in the moment, so many of the skills that you learn through your time there are going to help you later in life, no matter what career you go into, which was the really cool thing because you're building communication skills, you're building skills in empathy and like learning to understand different types of characters, different types of people. And all of those are extremely helpful. And I would also say like a big thing is don't ever feel like if it takes you longer to get where you feel like you need to go, or if you decide that your path is actually different than you thought it was, that it's a failure because it's not. You can change your mind and what you want to do or take a different route to get there. And you're still going to be led to the same place of reaching your goals. But even if you decide to explore a different creative avenue or whatever it is, it's not that you failed. It's just that you took a different path to get there. And those skills are still going to help you along the way. It's a new path to happiness. (laughs) Yeah, because as someone who like I initially thought that I just wanted to do acting and nothing else. And then I did sort of realize that maybe that wasn't necessarily what I wanted anymore at the time after I already got my degree in it in in college. And, And at the time, you know, people can make you feel like you almost did something wrong or you didn't want it enough. And I really don't think that's the case. I just think that we all take different paths to get where we eventually want to end up. And I don't regret doing all of the acting that I've done because I really do think that helps with my career as a writer and even just as a person and being able to interact with other people and at least sound confident in myself. I really do think that you have to like keep pushing and not give up. But at the same time, if your goals do take a different direction. That's just part of the process. You're killing it. And don't let people make you think that you failed because you definitely didn't. And if you feel like you are, come talk to me and I'll tell you that you're not and they're wrong. (laughs) I think I'm definitely going to steal that from you because getting the question every day from every teacher who's not here, like, well, what is a theater degree going to get you in the world? And I'm like, uh, and I never have an answer. I'm like, it's fun. <laughs> but like, I feel like that's such like a good way to put it. And only because it's kind of the most relevant thing going on in our lives right now. I'm just curious, what college did you attend and what was your major there? 
Yes. So I went to Chapman University, which is in Orange, California, which is why I first moved out here. And I was a screen acting major. So it was basically like a joint degree in theater and film, which was very cool. And I think that even though I didn't want to necessarily get into acting after, kind of having that study of story through film and theater, and also, like I mentioned, building those communication skills, skills in public speaking, all of those things are going to help no matter what job you go into. So if people do, you know, kind of say like, oh, what are you going to do with a theater degree? It's like, well, you can do a lot with a yeah, theater degree. Yeah, exactly, actually. exactly. Oh my goodness, I started tearing up when you gave that little... <laughs> <laughs> so last season's host had like a very comical question that they asked at the end of every episode. It was like the whole question of like, what would you have grass made out of or whatever? But like, we wanted to like do our own spin on it. So our curious is what is your Spotify wrapped so far of like this week or this year? And even if you don't have Spotify, like what are your top go-to song recommendations right now that you're like, you need to go listen to this right now, just because we're both really big music people and really love a good song recommendation. Yeah, so there's an artist I listen to a lot called Two Feet. And he just does a bunch of very chill music that I like. I've also been listening to Petals on the Moon by, I think it's the Waskia Project. That's another one that's been on my Spotify a lot. And then my husband got me into a bunch of Latin music. So I always have like Mark Anthony <laughs> and just, and of course, a TikTok like Pistol Pluma has been everywhere. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to that too. I have a very wide range of music. Another, I think, more like indie band that has some pretty good ones is Lord Huron. I don't know if I'm saying anything correctly, but I love uh, that band as well. They're lovely. Yes, I agree. Those are all great. Yeah. <laughs> I need to add, I'm I'm going to go back and when this comes out, write them all down and make sure I got them all because I'm always <laughs> looking for... I just wrote two down. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always looking for new music. I think it's like the... Like the best way like to get to know someone or understand someone is just like like just common having common songs you like or things like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh all right. So you have uh I won't give you a time limit, but like <laughs> well, I will give you time limit. <laughs> Fifteen seconds <laughs> for a shout out, um, social media, your plug. books, shameless plugs, whatever you want to do, and you have that many seconds to do it. So go. Yeah, if anyone wants to buy my book, The Other Woods, that just came out, that'd be great. It's release week. Also, you can find me on Instagram, Justine P. Winans, or my website, JustinePachellaWinans.com. You only used 10 seconds. That was five pretty good. Left. I feel like you practice that a lot. <laughs> no, same. <laughs> I think I also just can talk. <laughs> it, it comes with the writing skills. <laughs> Brain moves fast, mouth got to move fast, too. Exactly. All right. Thank you for everything of listening to this podcast and thank you justine for coming and talking to us right now for academy we have a lot of stuff going on we are doing the lightning thief musical which gabe is actually starring Ooh, in yeah he is percy jackson he's doing amazing hitting thank all you. those high notes <laughs> somehow amazing somehow getting up there the show dates are october 26th 28th and at 2 on the 29th of October and we can't wait to see you there. It's yeah, so be, be there Halloween weekend to see me and a bunch of cool people fight some monsters. Heck so, yeah. Yeah, so thank you guys again for listening today and in the honor of celebrating our last season's amazing host, we're going to sign out by saying thank, thank you for, for coming, coming to our, our tech, tech talk. talk. Bye! Bye.